2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 to 21. The ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God. And I hope. It is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that we may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance, and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation that... That is, in Christ God, who was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, Christ making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be seen who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our text verse verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, what is our task as a church? We know it's to proclaim the gospel. We know why we are here in Blacksland, why the doors are open. And this is to minister to people. And so the ministry of a Christian is to persuade sinners to be reconciled with God. But maybe you've asked, why would a sinner, or maybe why would the average Australian today want to be reconciled with God? We have a good life. We work hard, we play hard, we enjoy our footy, we indulge in a good life. And Sunday is the fun day. The day, the day we sleep a bit later. Do our shopping, visit our family, or just have a nice barbecue. This is not how much different of how it looked 
in Corinth. Corinthians also wanted to have a good time. And everything was permitted and allowed. Corinth was a major city of Rome at an important crossroad of trade and travel. But it was also a city notorious for immorality. Everything was permitted. You could buy everything you want. And a subtle message was, come to Corinth. You could do and live however you want it. Sounds like our world today, where immorality is encouraged. But is the average Australian happy? We know they're not. Sometimes life and dreams crumble before your eyes. And your sweetheart, whom you confess your everlasting love, has become an evil monster. Cannot stand each other anymore. You file for divorce. You develop an addiction. Those beers that you enjoyed so much are not enough anymore. And when you add inflation, rising costs of living, and all the people that cannot drive on the roads anymore, you feel your stress and your anxiety rising. And you just can't find peace. So that's why the suicide rate is increasing. And so the Lord has called us and you to minister the Ministry of Reconciliation to Australians. And we need to be certain of our motives. We need to have the right motivation and the right message. And it should be done in the fear of the Lord. Verse 11. To proclaim the fear of the Lord is not to scare people with hell. Yes, we serve a righteous God and we know that rejecting the Lord will lead to everlasting hell, a place of darkness and terror. We also know that we were destined for hell. And so will all who continue in their sins. We also know that the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 to 10, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But sometimes we forget to read verse 11 as well. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And therefore the message that hell awaits you should rather be that I have been delivered from hell. By grace alone. Jesus, my Redeemer, faced the cross of suffering, unspeakable anguish, 
pain and terror of soul, and he has delivered me from the anguish and torment of hell. God's justice and truth demanded it. Only the death of his son could pay for my sin. And for Christ's death, our old selves are crucified, put to death, buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us. But instead, we may, may dedicate ourselves as an offering of gratitude to him. Being willing to lose all for Christ, follow him. We will gain everything. And knowing the fear of the Lord, that's what Paul meant in verse 11, we persuade others. This is what Paul described in our Bible reading. And so, our Bible reading is a very personal description of Paul's life. He described his journey of faith to the Corinthians. What happened to him on the road to Damascus, Acts 9, when he became in Christ, verse 17. And so the Apostle Paul testified that he's not ashamed of Christ. He never was. He was persecuted, beaten, stoned for his bold faith. And the world hated Paul for that. One time they loved him before he was in Christ. Be and because he persecuted Christians, but later they hated him because he preached the gospel of Christ. All Paul wanted to do was carry out his commission to preach the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. He wanted to do, all he wanted to do was to help people by giving them the greatest message of all, that Jesus died for our sins. Therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Verses 15 to 14 to 15 of our Bible reading. But again, why should we proclaim the gospel message? Why should we continue our ministry of reconciliation? Then the Apostle Paul tells us the love of God controls us. That's verse 13 of our 14 of our Bible reading. And this also means that Paul said he was overpowered, subdued, and held in a vice by the love of Christ. And to understand why we should proclaim the gospel, why the gospel should be preached from the pulpit, we should understand the gospel. And that I am saved by the grace of God alone, but also what God has done in my life. And this is so important to understand this. And if you understand this, you will understand Paul's explanation in 2 Corinthians 5 about being a new creation in Christ. And how the love of Christ persuades him and controls him to persuade others, even if it will cause persecution. But let us first go to the background of our text. The Apostle Paul said in verse 12, We are not commending ourselves to you again, 
but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. 2 Corinthians 3, he told us why we should not commend ourselves as the false teachers who visited Corinth, but that we are now letters of Christ. Paul did not have an easy time in Corinth. This congregation, they were false teachers working in the congregation, and they challenged Paul around every corner. And he had to defend his ministry several times. These false teachers saw the law of the Lord as the only way of redemption and declared that they could earn their salvation by doing good works and and in total obedience to the law. And they attacked Paul specifically. They led a campaign of gossip, suspicion. They slandered Paul's ministry that Paul was a murderer, not worthy, as they were. And they followed Paul everywhere. They used letters or credential letters to introduce themselves, letters of introduction that were common amongst the Greeks, the Roman and the Jews, letters of testimony used to influence the people. But Paul said, he does not have to commend himself. In 2 Corinthians 3, he repeats it in verse 12. He does not need a letter of recommendation because he's a letter of Christ. He's in Jesus Christ. And he is a new creation. In himself he's nothing. But he's everything. In Christ who strengthens him. And he was saved by grace alone. What happened to Paul that he was such a credible witness that he could persuade others. What did Paul refer to? Before Paul's conversion, we read in Acts 9 verse 1 that he was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So much so that of his destructive work in Jerusalem, very few Christians were left. Most of them, even the apostles, after the murderous stoning of the deacon Stephen, called by Saul himself, fled to other cities to continue their labor. And Saul was on his way to Damascus to kill Christians. But then it happened. Suddenly, without any warning, near the gates of Damascus, the heavens tore open and radiated a blinding bright white light on the travel company. (coughs) And so great was Saul's bewilderment that Paul, like Moses, fell with his face on the ground. Then came a voice loud and clear in his native language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's Acts 9 verse 4. And Saul asked, who are you, Lord? And then the risen and glorified Christ revealed himself in all glory with the words, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Something had changed in Paul that day. 
Something changed in that man's heart, his life. Something dramatic and radical changed. But what? The Lord explains exactly what happens in Ezekiel 36 verse, verses 26 to 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Do we understand what happened to Paul that day? Saul, we may call him Paul, was pressed that afternoon on the ground in grace and love. And there the Lord Jesus Christ ripped this man's hardened, stoned heart and gave him a heart of flesh. A heart full of love, a heart full of sincere repentance, a heart full of faith, willingness, service and obedience. After that day, Paul was never the same again. That was Paul's new beginning. Paul was now a new creation. This is what he talked about in our passage. To follow Christ is not an easy road. But that was the only road he desired. And he confessed in Philippians 3 verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ. And for Paul that day on the road to Damascus was the turning point, the reversal, the conversion point in Paul's life where the Lord unveiled the heavenly glory and showed him the full picture. And Paul became a letter of Christ. And he describes it himself in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Saul had become Paul. But what about you, brother and sister? Maybe you don't have such a remarkable testimony. But it was not less grace. The Lord also saved you out of grace alone. Like Paul and all of us, we were destined for hell. But the Lord gave you a new heart and in Him you are a new creation. And so God's truth in His Word in the Gospel reveals to us who we were, <coughs> but also who we are so that we can fly to Christ, can flee to Christ with our brokenness and sin. Confess, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God made us alive in Jesus. And He did this through His Word and Spirit. We are born again, alive in Jesus. And to be born again is a deed from God. Ephesians 2 verse 10, Paul explained, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk 
in them. And so this rebirth is indeed from God and not from us. This is not something we do, but something God does. If God decides to call someone to life, they cannot resist. This is God's Spirit at work. And if we believe in Christ, Paul says in verse 17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Apostle John said the same in chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. But to all who did receive him, believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And Jesus died for us, and our old, unbelieving, rebellious self died in him. And now we live in Christ. If it wasn't for Jesus, his death on the cross, we were all lost. Paul said in no uncertain words in verses 18 to 19, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God, that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And Paul, the most unlikely servant, Paul, the murderer of Christians, was now a letter of Christ. The message of reconciliation is entrusted to us. What does a letter of Christ show? A letter of Christ imitates Christ, and that's a Christian. Someone wrote in a devotion, the most basic form of witnessing is living a life that reflects Jesus' own life and teaching. We are to be living signs of God's presence in the world. Living the right way leads people and leads to speaking the right way, like we've read in Colossians. Much like Jesus says, we show his light so that people take note and give honor to God as a result. And so Paul challenged the Corinthians that day in his letter, not just to repent, but to live lives, sanctified lives, in imitation of our Lord Jesus Christ, because they are a new creation in Jesus. And so the Lord called us personally to follow him. To be his representatives at home, at work, at school, in the community. He calls us because he loves us. He calls and promises to provide what we need to further his kingdom in our community. He promised and gave his spirit. And the spirit made alive, but the Spirit also moves the obedience to repentance and sanctification. And Paul explains this in verse 15 of our Bible reading. 
that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. This is living for Jesus. What does that mean? Living for Jesus means to display his greatness. And his love controls us to proclaim and live the gospel. Living for Jesus means to break with the idols of this world. Repenting from what still separates you from the Lord and seeking your joy in God's forgiveness. Living for Jesus means to delight in God's word. To grow in his word and for his spirit. Living for Jesus means to forgive as the Lord forgave you. To throw away that little black book that you sometimes keep in your mind about people who harmed you. And living for Jesus means to have peace above all understanding, even if you face the grave. And we were people destined for hell, but the Lord saved us, and now knowing the fear of the Lord, we should persuade others. Verse 11. Can you see why it's so important to proclaim the gospel? What our task is as a church. We as reformed people proclaim the gospel and trust that the Holy Spirit will work in the people's heart. That God will make alive. And even the most unlikely person like Paul confessed himself to be. But also you and I will be powerless when the Holy Spirit works in their heart. They will be made alive in Christ and be a new creation. They will be letters of Christ. The confession that God changes someone's heart and makes it alive does not make us passive. We need to be active. Because we are alive in Christ. It controls us, Paul says. In a Bible reading. And if God works in you, then you also work because you are alive. You produce good fruit or good deeds. And you work with trust that God will send the gospel to his people so that they also can hear the good news. Jesus, you are a new creation. The old has passed. This means that your sins are forgiven, nailed to the cross with Jesus, and you are resurrected to a new life to live to his glory. Therefore, we cannot be quiet anymore. You also know that no one can resist God's grace in Jesus. The same as Paul couldn't resist God's grace that day on the road to Damascus. And it's not only Paul, but it's also you and me. By grace we have been saved. What should we do? Pray. Trust God. Continue to preach the gospel in Australia. Give glory to the Lord. Be different than the world. Lift the gospel as letters of Christ. God is using us in His wisdom and His grace as fellow workers, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, to preach the gospel. And His love controls us to live the gospel because we are alive in Christ. 
And when we live the gospel, when we proclaim the gospel, we know that God will change his people. We know the times are in God's hands. We will live the gospel of hope as a letter of Christ because the love of Christ controls us. And therefore, dear people, be faithful. Be faithful in your prayers for your children. Continue in your prayers. But also glorify God in everything you do and rejoice that you can be his child. And you have received the calling. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are a new creation in our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's by grace alone. By grace alone that you gave your Son to die for us on the cross. Because our life was destined for hell. But Jesus went in our place. So that we could be saved. So that we could be reconciled with you. And you gave us a new heart. A heart full of love. You pour new qualities in our heart as well. You made that which was hardened by sin soft. You gave your spirit to live a life sanctified in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that we will proclaim Jesus through our lives. That we will proclaim the gospel of good hope. Because all hope is in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you will call many people and change their hearts as well. Those who you have determined to do, even before the creation of this world. Father, we pray all these things as your church, your people, who you have placed here in Blacksland to proclaim your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.